Welcome to the Church of the Living God Mount Sterling podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. For more information about our church, follow us on Facebook by searching for our page, Church of the Living God Mount Sterling. We would love to connect with you, pray with you, and hear what God is doing in your life. Now grab your Bibles and let's get into God's Word. All right. Anything else? All right, if not, let's get your Bibles and let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 23. It'll be in verse 13. 2 Samuel 23, 13. This is actually a message that when, when Pastor Kimberly and I were in Michigan, we, uh, God, God breathed this on a Saturday night. We were ministering on, on Saturday night with Pastor Bo Norman. Hopefully, I'm going to have Pastor Bo here, uh, maybe try to work something out in maybe like November. So, but uh, God just breathed this into me, so I preached it there in Michigan. And so, I've been, I've been, I've been geeking to preach this here. And so, it seems every time I wanted to preach it, God just breathed something else, so I'm excited to preach this word. All right, 2 Samuel 23, verse 13 says this, and three of the 30 chief went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. Verse 14, and David was in in a hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, oh, that one would give me drink of water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Verse 16, And three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines. They broke through. They drew water out of the well that was by the gate, and they took it and brought it to David. Now listen to this. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but he poured it out unto the Lord and said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went into jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink. These things did the three mighty men, all right? Some of my favorite chapters in the Bible. But, but today, by the, by the power and the authority of the kingdom of God, I'm going to preach a word called what they need. Amen? What they need. Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just glorify you and we just thank you. You are just so good. And we just right now, we transition from worship And we continue to worship as we gave, but now we come into a worship, and we just, right now, we just want you to be the one thing, be my one thing. So we give this word to you, Lord. I ask for the unction and the utterance of the Holy Spirit to boldly declare this word, and I ask for the hearts of the people to receive this word, that it is a seed that is embedded on good ground of their hearts. That will produce fruit in days, months, and years to come. And so we honor you for it, Father God, in Jesus' name. And the church shouted, amen. All right, don't let that be the last time. So in in this section of Scripture, it's it's some of my favorite stuff about, because it talks about David and it talks about his mighty men. Now, I just just love the stories about them, because if you remember, the beginning of these things was that, that David was fleeing from Saul 
and literally it said a group of like bandits, a group of outcasts, a group of broken, a group of bunch of messed up folk came up to him and literally it says they were broken, they were poor, they were nasty, and they said, man, it sounds like you don't got it together because you're running from the king. How, how about we just join up together? And David, not being a 2021 pastor, said, yeah, come on. Because sometimes in ministry, man, we want you polished when you walk in the door. Right? Like, who knows? We want, we want to come into places, and this, this operates in the workplace. And I, I want you to know that the kingdom of God, Luke 17, 21, we talk about that all the time. Jesus says the kingdom of God does not come by observation, like it's here or it's there, but he says it's right here. The kingdom of God is within. So if the kingdom of God is within, when I walk in the bank, the kingdom's there. When I walk into the factory, the kingdom's there. When I walk into the kid's bedroom, yeah, the kingdom's there. When my kid messed up at school and I walked into school and there's a flame of fire on my head, I've got to remember that the kingdom's there too. I won't even tell that story. We won't tell that because we already talked about him once, so I'm not going to talk about him twice. But I knew this one kid this one time. No, I'm just kidding. The kingdom works everywhere. So it doesn't matter because so many times we compartmentalize everything. And uh, no, 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 this is my church life. This is my home life. This is my work life. But, but then it's everything is divided and we wonder why we, we're never focused and we're never accomplishing. But if we, if we connect everything together by the kingdom of God, we realize that everything flows and everything functions. It doesn't mean there's no attacks. It doesn't mean that there's not uh, uh, things hindering us. But what it means is if the kingdom is there, then the king is with us. But we have a mentality that we want everybody polished. When somebody comes to work at the bank, man, I want them to know everything before I train them. We expect this, and so many times we expect it in the church house where we want everybody put together. Listen, I want you to get out the paper. I want to list how long you've operated in each gift. I want your resume from Jesus and the Holy Spirit on how good you are because I want to know if you're fake or not. But we want everybody polished, but we forget that David was given these men. They weren't mighty men when they came, but they came to somebody who knew Jehovah. We got to come into a place where we've got to know Jesus, that it don't matter how messed up, broke up, completely destroyed they are, that if they come to us, they're going to find something real. These men were things that nobody wanted. And David says, you know, I'm running for my life. But there's times that I would sit out in a field and I would play something and somebody showed up. That's what I can give you. Now, a life later, 
a time later, this is literally the end of David's life. Where they, they, Historically, they said that this is a time where whoever wrote these books really sat down and started talking with David. And David started telling these stories. So he started talking about his mighty men, men of renown, men that were mighty. And this is something that I love, is he started saying, listen, there's this group of three, okay? Now, everybody is bad. But man, there's these three that they really, really, really bad. And here's the beauty of it. There was a fourth one that he was the captain of the three. He was the leader of the three. But the Bible says they didn't attain to the three. The reason I say that is this. Just because I'm a father and, and a pastor in this house does not mean that I am the most gifted. Because you can be the captain of the three, but yet you're not attaining to the three. The focus of my life and my ministry is to show you that you have giftings inside of you that I maybe don't have or that I'm weak in. But what I want to do is I want to reach inside you and pull out the gold and show you who you are. So you start working in those gifts because they're greater than my gifts. So David had these three men. He developed them. He, he trained them. He, he showed them. He loved them. Relationship like this, you don't risk your life when you don't have relationship. You know who's the only one who did that? Christ. Because Christ went to the cross for those who didn't want relationship. That's who he is. Showing us who we should be. So we should see more in others wanting to see what's the beauty that God has placed in them. These three were bad. And David said that they were bad. The writer said, man, these guys. So all of a sudden, the, the cave of Adullam is something where, where he's running away from Saul. And it says it's a time where, where David was fearing for his life. It says many of the Psalms were written back in that cave as he was running for his life against the king. Once again, in that time, if the king's against you, you ain't got no shot. But David realized that he had another king. And he developed relationship with this king, but always honored the king that wanted to take his life. The kingdom of God, if you're operating the kingdom, it's, there's always honor in it. Whether you don't like them, or maybe they don't like you, there's still an aspect of honor in the kingdom of God. So David is sitting there. The Philistines are camped against him. So, so the people of God are coming on this side, and then the enemy is coming from this side. And there is David, but he's got some boys with him. He's got some people that he loves. He's got some people that he poured into. He's got people that he developed. He's got people that he trained. That's why we want to disciple you. That's why we want to equip you. The fivefold ministry is for the equipping of the saints until you reach the fullness of the stature of who Christ is, not who I am. I would, I would make it cheap if I wanted you to be like me because I'm, I'm not enough. We need to attain who he is. So if you think about it, the people of God, the church is coming after him, hello, and the enemy is coming after him. You ever been there? Where it's like the enemy is chasing you just as much as the church? If you haven't, hallelujah, it's not good. 
So David is saying, man, there's, there's a well in Bethlehem. It's at the gate. I think it was one of those pity moments that he's like, God, I'm in a cave. I can still feel the oil of anointing on my head that you said I would be king. This is after he was anointed. God anointed him, and now he's running in a cave. I think it was a pity moment. He says, I I would love to get a drink from the well. And three men said, all right. They break through. Three men break through an army. They get a cup from the well. They've got to break through. Now imagine they've got a cup. <laughs> you know, and maybe it was a big like bag with clothes, but I always, I always envision it of them walking with a cup going. You know, and, it, and it, nothing is spilling. And they go back to David. And they go, <sighs> here you go. But David saw a moment, and this is what I want to preach, because this is about what they need, not what we need. Bethlehem means the house of bread. And they went and they grabbed water from the house of bread. What does Mount Sterling need? Do they need mighty men? Yes. Do they need need worshipers? Yes. But what they need is a people, not a church. They need a people to go and fetch the, the water of life. From the house of bread. Are we willing to be that for this community? Are we willing to forsake some things that we love in the natural to devote ourselves in a way that's saying, man, I'm going to be used in this community to go and get water from the house of bread because this city needs the living bread from heaven and the living water in their belly. That's what they need. We can't win this city if our only focus is to have church. We can't do it. Because at some point, we're going to have to lay ourselves down and not focus on what I need, but focus on what they need. Are we at that place? Literally, it's the house of bread. They ran to the house of bread to get some living water. It was so powerful that David says, man, I can't can't take this. He didn't give it to himself. He poured it out for others. He made it a demonstration because sometimes this doesn't make sense. Because guess what? If you're going to forsake your own desires for the desire of a city that don't even know you, that doesn't make sense, does it? But when you encounter Jesus, right, give me Jesus. Lay the church down. Lay the religion down. Lay everything down. And if all there is is Jesus, what would he say? There's times when I'm praying and I'm seeking him and I've heard him say, he goes, well, but son, what about them? What what about them? Constantly. I started to gather that maybe I was selfish in my prayers. 
Because he kept repeating, well, son, what about them? What about them? See, when Jesus came, they wanted a king, right? When's the the kingdom going to come? We want to make you king. Jesus said, he, I knew they were going to make him king. Jesus told Pilate, Pilate says, are you a king? He says, this is why I was born. Jesus even went on to say this, says, man, if my kingdom was from around here, I wouldn't be in your place. You would be in my place. Because my kingdom has no end. But we wanted a king, we wanted a king, we wanted a king. We wanted Jesus to come and rule. But Jesus came and says, but what do they need? See, we don't need the king. We needed the lamb to be slain. See, because Jesus came as redemption. So now he comes focusing on what we need and we don't understand. Why is the son of God coming to die? Why is he coming to die? Why doesn't he just come to rule? Because Jesus says, if I give you what you need, you need salvation. You need redemption. You need new life. And when you receive that, you become the king. Now Revelations chapter 1 says, now you are priests and you are kings. Why? Because he didn't give us what we wanted. He gave us what we need. In John chapter 6, right, he gets up at the end of the feast. That was the one where he says, I'm not going to go. I don't know if I'm going to go. But guess what? He went anyway. Last day of the feast, which is the greatest day of the feast, Jesus just comes up and says, I'm not here for what you want. I'm here for what you need. This is the bread. This is the bread of life that I give freely. This is the bread from heaven. This is what you need. If you eat of this bread, you will live again. And they didn't understand it. And they didn't say, because they're looking for what they wanted, not what they needed. And then in John chapter 7, Jesus comes and he says, No, no, take ye of the living water which I shall put in your belly. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. What does this city need? I know we're a church plant, but this city didn't need another church. What it needed is some people who were going into the presence of God and coming out with bread and water and walking through the city and saying, who needs bread? Well, I don't want this. I want, I want church. I want, I want good worship and I want fancy lights. I want a big building. But Jesus is saying, that's not what you need. That's what you want. Don't cheapen the gospel because you want good church. We have got to come to the place where we're looking at things like David. God's wanting to build warriors for what? To go get bread and to go get water and just give it to the city. It's interesting that what did he do with the water? He poured it out. What does God do with the spirit? He pours it out. 
Remember Joel, Joel 2.28? And then afterwards saith God, I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh. We quote it. We love it. But we just talked about this yesterday in our, we're, we're, we're helping Winchester with some prophetic training, and we're eventually going to do it here as well. But we were talking about that, what, what a, think about a person that just has, has been just a complete enemy to you, and they've hurt you. Think about that. Do you want the Spirit poured out on them? Don't raise your hand. So when we look at a city, listen to me, and, and once again, I love the church, in the church all the time. We need the church. But if we look at everything through the church lens, what do we want? We want mighty men's to come in and not to train them to be mighty. We want people redeemed to come in. Because they're easier to communicate to than the broken. When they got track marks on their arms, it's difficult. Listen, I've sat there and I've preached and I've ministered. I remember I was in the, I was in the jail here in Montgomery County and there was a group of probably 11 men and they were sitting in this horseshoe. And I remember I could feel the hardness of their hearts. Some of them had blisters all over their arm where they had meth labs and it was sprinkling on them and you could see that they were tormented by demons. And I remember at one point, Jesus, the Lord spoke to me and says, son, you're, the, the way you're standing, it's like they feel like you're preaching at them. I want you to lay down and be with them. And I ended up getting in the middle of the group and just kneeling down like this and ministering the gospel. And then you start hearing chains fall. Why? Because we're here to give them bread and we're here to give them water. Because I'm telling you, the hurting and the broken, they are hungry and they are thirsty and they're waiting for the church church to come and give them something and it ain't time to give people what they want I'm here to give you what you need and sometimes what you need is a swift kick in the buttocks and I am here to give that to you in love hallelujah what's our focus now listen to this Church, us, what's your focus in your home? Are you giving the people bread and water? Are you giving your children bread and water? Are you functioning in the kingdom outside of the church? And I think that's where we have to learn. Because we're dazzled by, by, by Peter walking and and his shadow lands and somebody is healed. We're enamored by that. Or, or they take Paul's cloths and they, they hand them and they go and people are healed. Just so you know, we got oil and we got cloths and it's the same Holy Ghost that healed then that will heal now. Okay? This place is no special carpet, but cancer died right there. Okay? This is not a special seat. But leukemia was considered completely annihilated right there. Why? Because what we have is we have bread and we have water. And if you don't have the bread and the water, 
then, then you might have to leave the cave. You, you might have to break through some warriors. But I'll tell you this, he has never lost a battle. I have felt the enemy so close to me, standing right over me. And one time I felt, literally I could physically feel a blade on my neck. I said, God, what, can, what am I supposed to do? He said, son, sit down and eat at the table. I said, Lord, there's a blade on my neck. Son, sit down and eat at the table. In the spirit, I went, I just, and I felt faithless. Listen to me. This wasn't some supernatural faith moment. I remember grabbing the seat, and as soon as I went to sit down, that blade retracted. And I said, now what? He said, eat. I said, well, what about him? He said, he's going to watch you. And what was there to eat? My God, there was bread and there was water. Because everything comes from Christ. And we've come so adapted that we come to the church for our needs that we miss the relationship with him. Some of these teachings, I mean, Pastor John is just, I mean, just, he, he's, he's, he's getting the bread from heaven. He's getting the water from heaven. And he is just slain at one time yesterday. He goes, you got anything? I went, no. But I can see that he's eating bread. That he's drinking living water. And his relationship is connected to the vine. And it's producing fruit. I want you to connect with Jesus. He's everything. In John 6, 35, I, I talked about it earlier. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. That he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. That must be some juicy bread. Bread that, that takes out hunger and quenches thirst. Amen. I'll bet, that's what they, I'll, I'll bet that's what they put there in Red Lobster in them little rolls. Because that's where they quench my thirst too, man. I feel the Lord saying, let's go to Red Lobster. No, no. When we walk out into the streets, whether people think we're mighty or not, church, do you got bread? Or do you got water? Do you got something that can, that can take away their hunger? And I'm talking about real hunger. I'm not talking about my seven-year-old going, Dad, I'm starving. That's not what I'm talking about. That night at the jail, every hand went up for salvation. You know why? Because when you offer bread and living water, the bread from heaven and his living water has to be there. I just come like this, I just present it, and he comes, and the bread saves, and the, and the water heals. But our focus needs to be, what do they need? Because if they need bread and water, 
and I'm going to have to be the one to leave the cave, break through the enemy line, get that, and come back through the enemy line to give them what they need, then that means I need some bread and I need some water. See, if we choose to give the people of Mount Sterling what they need, that automatically forces us that we need more of Jesus. And I'm not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. I'm talking about the fruit. Because who God is carries a a whole lot more weight than what his people do. But are we willing to sacrifice some things on our end to give people what they need? Jesus said, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, But if this is the way, I'll do it. You want to talk about sacrifice. You want to talk about heartache and you want to talk about pain. I have seen his wounds and he's wounded forever. I think my mom just put up a post about that there's, there's, there's only one scar in heaven. There's only one scar in heaven. Jesus forever on his body bears the wounds. We get resurrected bodies. I'm going to look good. For once, I'm going to look good. Jesus' body will still bear the wounds and the scars upon him. And so for eternity, I'm going to see the one who rescued me. The one who sacrificed everything. Why? Life. Salvation. Redemption, deliverance, new life, destiny. And if he gave me that out of his sacrifice, then what are those people going to see when they start receiving the bread from heaven and the living water? When we as a people, not as a church, as a people, because you might not be here forever. So as long as you're here, I'm going to equip you to be what they need. Because that's how you win cities. You want to change change culture? You might have to change your mentality from what you want to what they need. Because that's the heart of the kingdom. That's what they want. And the beauty is I got this message and preached it in Flint, Michigan. I preach about living water in Flint, Michigan. If you don't understand that, you got to go back to the news because that was supposed to be hilarious, but it obviously was not here. Obviously was not. Usually I at least get one out of my dad. I didn't even get that. I heard you. I heard you. Mount Sterling is sitting out there, dragged down in, in drug addiction, And listen to me, and also in religion. We've become comfortable about going to church, pretending that that brings salvation. And going to church does not bring salvation. The blood of Christ brings salvation. Acknowledgement of his resurrection brings that. So if we're going to give them living bread and living water, we have to show them that he is alive. You know what's the best way? Show them what he has done inside of you. Stand with me today. 